Welcome to Ball vs. Life, a podcast where your hosts, JC and Jack, discuss NorCal vs. SoCal perspectives, the Bay vs. LA. Thanks for tuning in. Let's roll. What's up, our peoples? We're back. What's up? What's up? Yeah, we've been gone for a while. <laughs> we've been gone for a while, JC. We're- where have you been, man? Where have you been? Last our episode was an emergency reaction episode. And we've been gone, I know. missing in action. We, we, yeah, we turned that around real quick. Uh, once <laughs> it's the NBA playoffs, so much happens in a short ter- uh, time span. We, we got to be really good and, and quick in terms of getting our releases. With that said, life kind of got into the way of the pod. But what's important is we're back recording, so... For us, it's not ball verse life anymore. It's a pod verse life, right? So <laughs> recently, it's life was greater than the pod. Sadly, it was weird not recording, too, because we've gotten so used to recording weekly. And we did, like, two episodes within a couple of days last week. And then we went yeah. we went quiet for, like, ten we, days. We, we, we went cold. It, it was like the all-star break. And now we're kind of <laughs> working our way back into our, our, our natural rhythm. You Give know, us an update, man. Backs. Why were why were we AWOL, man? <laughs> why were we missing in action? It's your fault, dude. It's your fault. I'm gonna blame it on you. That's on me, bro. I was uh, oh. I was I was hitting the road. I was hitting the road, and I I, I hit enemy territory. I was down there in SoCal ah. um, with family. Enemy territory, so... dude. We're just we're trying to convert <laughs> you. I'm trying to convert you, man. <laughs> LA lifestyles. What were you doing yeah. down here? <laughs> I was down there uh, because it was just after Easter and. Uh, a bunch of uh, family members uh, decided to hit up the beautiful city of Anaheim that features the very, very famous Disneyland and Disney California adventure. Let's not even joke around, dude. We were we we hit each other up, man. I had to hit you (laughs) up while I was down there, dude. So that was good times, man. I know I I had to show up because I had to be I'm, I'm a recruiter. I'm trying to recruit you to L.A. I'm trying to show you what we have to offer. And it's a lot, man. I'm sure you had a good time this past week at California Adventure and Disneyland. Uh, Yeah, man. It was super hectic. I'll tell you what. Like, there is nothing like those attractions, Disneyland and California Adventure, up here in Northern California. I mean, we have Great America. We have Six Flags. Can you say that again? Just say it again for us. (laughs) There's nothing like that in the Bay Area. Yeah, we, we don't, and I, I got to give props to, to Disney because Disney does it right. You know, with the family, we went all out. We went balls out and stayed at uh, the Disney Grand Californian, which is one of the numerous Disney-owned hotels over there that's just straight connected to uh, Disneyland California Adventure. So it was really, it was really nice. It was really uh, such a good experience because Disney knows how to to put on a show and to to you know treat people right when they're on vacation, and they'll pay. They'll ask you to pay for it, <laughs> and you pay a pretty penny <laughs> it, for that. That shit ain't free, dude. That shit ain't free. <laughs> yeah, it, it it's it's not, dude. It's it's ridiculous. But at the same time, while you're experiencing the magic of Disney, it doesn't feel half-assed. And, and and it was it was a good experience, you know. I was there with family. We had a ton of kids with with us, and they were having the time of their life. The good thing with Disneyland and California Adventure, you got a little bit of everything for everyone, right? Of all ages. So you know, the little baby kids had some stuff to kind of keep them busy, and then all of the the bigger kids, all the way to early teens, they had something to kind of keep them uh, preoccupied. And uh, that was cool, man. I I learned a lot of new things at Disneyland. Like I tried this uh, this drink called the mint julep. Oh, it's kind of like a lemonade. Have you had that before, bro? 
you couldn't stop with that, dude. You hit us up and you're like, dude, you 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 sent us a picture of that too. You're like, damn, my life it was, has changed. Yeah, man, it was it was a game changer. That thing was delicious. It was so refreshing when you're you know waiting in line in the hot sun. That thing is most refreshing. And California Adventure has a lot of good eats. It's just the, a lot of creative things that Disney has to do. They yeah, good fried chicken. They had like all of these sort of ice cream combinations. Hot link corn dogs. Man, it was a it was hungry, a blast. Man. Yeah, man, it's it was a blast. It was a blast. Like with that said, since you were there, we actually like you said earlier, we we met up, and I you know you were saying at the Grand Californian was it? Yeah, yeah, Disney Grand Californian. I, I, I had never been in the actual hotel. Uh, I kind of looked at from outside and going into that, like you were saying, it was a it's immersive experience. <laughs> I was like, damn, yeah. this is this is the, one they of the go- nicest hotels I've just walked into yeah i heard different kinds of uh, descriptions for it i mean i think what they were going for is sort of like this sort of um california yosemite lodge kind of feel yeah but it was so grand dude like it, it really was grand they had like a fireplace they had like it was so grand uh one of our friends actually Woo, who we met up with was describing it as like the beauty and the beast castle which really wasn't what they were going for per se <laughs> but i think i i got his vibe man <laughs> the vibe was it was grand and it was it was majestic so props to disney man for people that don't I mean, know, Tewu's actually kind of the third member of this podcast. He's our designer. He designed the logo. He's actually a huge brainchild of this Ball vs. Life vibe that we have going on. If you haven't checked out our Instagram, Ball vs. Life Official, please check it out. I mean, a lot of it is his design. We actually made a sticker of our logo, or not our logo, but Ball vs. Life, the, the lettering, uh, which he came up with. And we've been push- p- pushing that on Instagram. It's really cool. Check it out. He's... He's been our friend for years. I mean, he's we, we kicked it at the hotel, actually, and it was like old times, right, JC? Yeah, man, it was good. It was good. It was nice, actually, to just hang out and, I mean, talk a little bit of business in terms of the pod, but also just hang out and just catch up in terms of our general life. And it, it was it was just like old times. It's one of those things where you may not see friends like Jack and, and Tewu for forever physically and then when you see him again it's just like you saw them last weekend it was crazy so man those are the best kind of friends dude like you don't see them for ages and when you see them it's like not a day passed and that's just how (laughs) yeah that's how we roll and another thing i wanted to say was uh salt and straw dude that was bomb thank you for treating us to that (laughs) we we, we Uh, did drive an hour in in traffic just to see you (laughs) salt and straw man it's west coast lifestyles portland oregon Um, (laughs) i'm glad that they have that down in socal now i don't know if they have it in uh, other places outside of just anaheim i'm pretty sure they have it somewhere in downtown la yeah i don't know if they have it in like pasadena area but they'd have it here in uh uh, in a couple of spots, actually, in San Francisco, in uh, Burlingame area. So Yeah, dude. With that said, you know, when we were hanging out with Tewu, our, our third member, he was actually like a coach. He was prepping us. He was prepping us. He was, he was actually going at us hard. He was like, dude, you guys got to bring it, bring it for this podcast. Dude, he was, he was ripping us a new one. I was like, damn, yeah, coach, <laughs> take it easy on I know. us. I know, man. He don't he don't want us to be all cool, pathetic, and friendly. Man, no. he wants he, he he wants that 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 fire, that Clippers Warriors sort of intensity. So we're gonna see if we can kind of bring that intensity to the pod. Yeah, we'll he's see. he's a Warriors fan. I remember he was saying to you, "You're a two time champion, bro." <laughs> hey, man. Props is due. When props is due, props is given, and I'll I'll, I'll voice my my opinions accordingly. Yeah. With that said, let's get into Bay vs. L.A. 
and we have a lot to get into. We're gonna hit. A, we're gonna have three topics this time. There's, I mean, so much has happened, so we had to kind of narrow it down. And the first first topic we got to cover because the last two episodes that we did about a week and a half ago was about the Clippers vs. Warriors series, and we brought in a special guest, Leo. Shout out to Leo. He couldn't be here today because, you know, obviously with the Clippers losing, he bailed. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I'm, I'm totally kidding. He, he, he's on a family vacation. So if he was around, we'd definitely bring him on. So our first topic, Clippers vs. Warriors. Warriors closed out the series in six. JC, do you want to start off kind of giving your thoughts and opinions on how the series finished up because our last podcast episode was game three i believe and that was when the warriors just put a drubbing on the clippers uh at, at yeah LA. yeah it was very apropos that i was at a theme park when this whole series was happening and when it, w- it was wrapping up um because it was like the incredible coaster it was a roller coaster ride of emotions i thought it would be quote unquote a relatively straightforward series given the talent disparity i don't think anybody's really going to argue about the, the the difference in terms of payroll and just disparity in talent so i thought it would be you know a relatively straightforward matchup and the clippers gave the warriors such a, a tough time yeah dude props to the clippers for for competing i mean i i, I thought it would be <laughs> a walk in the park and it was the total opposite patrick beverly montrez harrell and lou lou will uh being the the main sort of uh x factors into the whole series man yeah lou will was balling on the warriors oh yeah uh and montrez was out hustling us and then uh pat bev's intensity was just kind of he was just making it difficult for for all of our players it was really interesting to see what LA and the Clippers have uh, developing down there and they really have a lot of key pieces that you know could really build potentially a playoff contender you know if they get a couple more pieces a couple more scorers someone that can really dictate the pace of the game watch out watch out and yeah um, I gotta I gotta reference Game of Thrones here because Leo's not here so he did tell me (laughs) to represent the Clippers as best as possible. And I'm representing LA, so I have to represent the Clippers. I gotta put the faceless man. I would be Jock and Hagar right now. I gotta put on my Clipper <laughs> face. It's gonna be hard, man, but I'm gonna do it. Put on your Leo face. So okay. regarding the Clippers, I think what they really showed their true tenacity and fortitude wasn't game two, which was that epic 31 comeback, but it really was game five. I think game five mm-hmm. kind of shocked everybody. They played from start to finish just with fire. I mean, they were their lives were on the line and they played like it and they put a they put it to the Warriors the whole game. I mean, it got close towards the end because the talent for the Warriors, I mean, bar none, it's it's far greater than the Clippers, but they just couldn't close them out in game 5. But, you know, lo and behold, game 6, KD. I mean, I, I, what what else is more to say? KD, you y'all know who I am. That's beast mode right there. When when you can say that to the to the press and then show up drop a 45 and then drop a 50 piece in game six boom yeah. done he, he he put his money where his mouth was and it speaks to his confidence level right now kd is really in a a, a basketball zone and he demonstrated that in the clipper series without kd i don't know if we we would have pulled it off to be honest yeah man. and we're very fortunate to have him essentially carry the team it was just going back to game five, just so that we can give the Clippers some some props. I mean, 
I, I, I totally didn't expect it. I thought it would be game over in game five. The, I didn't expect it I either, mean, especially dude. after yeah, after, especially after game four, it just didn't seem like the Clippers just had enough firepower to make it work, and they kept on grinding. Um, I was extremely pissed. I mean, when I watched that game, I actually kind of had to bail on the family. Uh, there was dinner. You're a true fan. After the din- yeah, exactly. Like, there was dinner, and then they were going around the, the park, but I had to bail, and I had to go to the room and get in the zone and watch the game. And it was ex- incredibly frustrating to see that game for me because I really had to give up some family time to You texted to me, dude. You texted me. You're like, game. I bailed on my family for this L, dude. <laughs> yeah, it was, it. I took multiple Ls. So what happened is once the game ended, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to try to catch up because we were going to try to catch up the world of color, yeah. which was showing around 10 p.m. <laughs> uh, thankfully, so I bolted. Thank God the, the hotel was super close and I was still able to catch, you know, maybe like half of the show over there. You should have seen like a big Filipino you know, dude, just running through <laughs> the, the, the park trying to catch the the world of color, flashing a ticket, and making sure that I I could I could get it. So it was it was it was incredibly frustrating to see that game, but it was kind of nice to see that we closed it out um, on game four. I managed to catch it. Uh, game six, sorry, um, I managed to be home already at that point in time, and it's you know again KD carrying the um, the torch so to speak to get us to the next round. One thing I kind of want to mention about Game 6 was right after the series and, you know, even with Taewoo's uh, uh, urgings for us to be really uh, uh, sort of uh, combative in, in our comments, you can see the amount of respect that yeah. the Warriors were giving to the Clippers. I distinctly remember that Draymond was having a post-game interview, right? And he completely stopped that in the middle of the interview because he saw on the side of his eye that Montrez was walking out of the 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 court, right? And he said, wait a minute, uh, I need to do something. And he sprints across the court just to make sure that he can acknowledge Montrez. And Montrez definitely has earned the respect of the Warriors and Draymond. And Draymond don't really, he don't really give that respect that easy, right? Yeah. So it was really refreshing to see that despite the intensity and the competitiveness of the series, I mean, these guys, you know, give props and props is due, and Clippers earned the props. Yeah, dude, I appreciated that Draymond actually spoke spoke about that too. I think I saw some quotes about him just giving praise to Trez and just the Clippers in general. And there was a funny post-game interview of uh, Lou Williams and Pat Beverly when they were asked about KD. And they just gave KD props. I mean, they had all these schemes for him and def- defensive schemes. And look, KD was just KD and they gave him props for that. It was as, as much as Pat Beverly is very combative on the court, when it's off the court and the series is done, he gave KD props. Look, it was, all, it was a hard-fought series. And Leo did mention that he felt it was a win already being in this position. But I'll tell you what, mm-hmm. it's... At the end of this series, it was more than just a win. They really showed so much in this series. A well-coached team. All the roles were defined. All the players on the court were put in a position to maximize their talents. Pat Beverly, Lou Williams, Trez, uh, countless others. Although, we did joke. Even uh, Gallo had a couple of good games, man. Yeah, he was actually the key for a lot of the series. And he had a tough matchup against KD. And he did, he did play the five a couple of times, I saw, too. Um, and that's that was I'm glad he kind of showed up uh, because Leo was having a lot of sleepless nights thinking about Gallo. Yeah, I mean, they're on their way up. But again, I think the talent disparity really just kind of I mean, there's only 
of a handful of players with KD's skill level, right? Yeah. So we were fortunate enough to have him on our squad and he made some some big plays and some key plays. So I'm happy with the win, mm. with the series win. It was, I mean, we made predictions in terms of who would win the series and it came to fruition, but it was longer, a, yeah. a longer, more tougher series than what I had expected. And it really made me concerned about the long-term implications of this series mm. just because like what I, I, I believe I, I said that if I, if I didn't say it on the pod, I, I pinged it to you. The longer the series goes, the more games, the more minutes all of our players play and yeah. the more risk for injury. And I think while we were happy to, to win the series, we didn't come out without any wounds. I mean, on game five, game six, I mean, Steph sprained an ankle, Clay sprained an ankle. These guys are playing 30, 40, 35, 40 minutes easy. They're getting winded. And if they handle their business and this made it a quick series, we wouldn't be in this position. And what had happened was they got some injuries. Mm -hmm. They extended the series. And what ended up happening is they had a quick turnaround for the start of the next series. And it really just doesn't set us up for success. You need to handle business when, when you are in the position to close teams out and... That has been an incredibly frustrating concept for me to kind of embrace just because, I don't know, we, it, it, in previous runs, we've been able to kind of handle business at the appropriate time. And now there's chinks in the armor and it makes me concerned. With yeah, that dude. said, you yeah, were texting you me got, throughout the you whole superstars. time. You were, you were saying like, we got we to gotta close this series out fast because like you said, it's the injuries. The injuries, every game you play, there's a chance of injury and... Game six, you saw Curry tweak his ankle and Clay tweak his ankle. And anytime Steph and ankles put together those two words, you got a lot of concern. But look, they they got through it. They they did end up playing the next game, which was the Rocket series, and we'll get to that. And uh, mm. before we close this topic out, much props to the Clippers. They got a big summer coming up. If they add another piece, they're definitely going to be a continuous playoff contender. And depending on what piece they add, Kawhi Leonard... KD, <laughs> KD's a pipe dream of Leo's. Who knows? Who knows? But you know what? Let me take this Clipper face off and put on my Laker face and be like, no, KD's not going to the Clippers, okay? There's no way in that happening. KD would rather go to the Lakers than the Clippers. Uh, watch. <laughs> I'm going to end up eating my words. I don't know, man. Props to the Clippers, yeah. uh, especially their players. Even Doc gained my, some of my respect. But the guy that really made it difficult for me to... To give props to the Clippers is Steve Ballmer, man. Every time they would be up or make the play and they'd show him, he gave me like a little girl there that was giving like <laughs> Easter Easter egg cookies or whatever, dude. It was just so freaking annoying. Hey, JC, Come let, on, me, let me ask you one question, though. What's your biggest purchase what? in your life? Probably a house or a car or whatever, right? If Whatever <laughs> money you spent on that. When you looked at it, you probably were giddy like a little girl too. He spent billions on the team. <laughs> so when he saw the team win, he was like, Yee! I know, man. He was like, yeah, it was super cringeworthy. <laughs> it was super cringeworthy. I don't think I've seen... Like, even Mark Cuban was not as <laughs> annoying as how he looked. Because at least Mark Cuban, he was kind of like, you know, roaring like a Dothraki warrior or <laughs> yeah. something like that. But Steve Ballmer is just... It's like, why do you have to cringe a little bit and just kind of giggle like it's so 
It's so passive aggressive. Sorry, Leo, you know? you're not on the show, bro. <laughs> if you're here, you could defend <laughs> your man right now. Let's get into the I LA like... topic, dude. Let's get into my yeah. topic. Enough with the Clippers, man. <laughs> yeah, all right. Next. Lakers, Lakers. <laughs> Let's talk Lakers, bro. Let's talk Lakers. I'll miss all this playoff action. We got more drama. So as we, as we talked about last episode, Magic stepped down and all that stuff. We, talk, we talked about it in, in detail about magic leaving and what that meant for the lakers more more things came out from then uh, apparently genie or rob rob palinka might have cc'd magic by accident uh criticizing his job performance oh god i don't even know i don't even know where to go with it it's just i mean you, you know that feeling when you accidentally text somebody or like keep someone in an email chain and you just you just look down at your list and you're like oh shit yeah, that's, that's kind of the feeling that they're going through right now. And what happened with them is if it's a work environment, you know what? People don't want to stick around. Yeah, Magic was like, peace out, man. <laughs> I'm not taking the heat for this. I don't know, dude. I what do you think, bro? Was, uh, I wonder what was on that, 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 that email. Was it like, who was the intended recipient? And man, what a clusterfuck of a of a situation look i mean if genie was willing to call bomber balls <laughs> you don't know what's going on in those emails dude <laughs> no wonder magic bailed just because it was just such an awkward situation altogether the yeah. fact that he didn't communicate with genie and he just kind of did an impromptu press conference there was something that was hidden at that point in time and it seems like more and more we're kind of getting some context as to why he did that yeah i mean he was alluding I to mean, backstabbing and all that stuff he i think the contents of the email was criticism of his uh performance on the job meaning mm-hmm. he wasn't really there in the office the quote-unquote office all the time and i think rob and genie <laughs> were just talking about how yeah he wasn't showing up to work basically i mean bottom line they were speaking truth it just wasn't the ideal circumstance to to learn of your transgressions but come on magic if you know you you messed up you you know you messed up but yeah they kind of did them dirty that kind of sucks for magic maker for life (laughs) (laughs) he's tweeting about the he's tweeting about the playoffs now without any problems uh next topic of la is the coaching search it seems like it's being narrowed down to two guys uh, unless there's like a dark horse somewhere out there but the lakers took meetings with monty williams and Ty Lue. Uh, i mean not surprisingly they were already linked to the job and i think jason kidd is the dark horse but it doesn't seem like he's really uh really a legit candidate at this point i think mm-hmm. last time i saw a report was um upper management including rob palinka there's still no mm-hmm. president of back- basketball operations hired yet and we don't know moving forward if there will be but regardless the brain trust right now met with Monty and Ty for like 5 hours apparently Ty Lu made a really good uh, pitch to the Lakers being a former Laker and he's really passionate about being the coach and we all know Monty has a lot of respect around the league uh, and mm-hmm. he's had front office experience before and he's been a coach of the Pelicans when uh, mm-hmm. AD Anthony Davis was just a little pup what do you think about the two candidates, man? Like you really care? What I think, <laughs> uh, what I think is, given the Lakers situation, they need someone like the Night King to really resuscitate <laughs> them, man. Because you guys are left for dead. Oh. Holy crap! It's such a clusterfuck. Um, but in all seriousness, it's. 
I do think it's it seems like they're taking their time in terms of the coaching coaching search and they're doing their due diligence with all of these candidates. My main concern is why not hire a president of basketball operations first? I think I feel like you need to make sure that you hire someone that will be on the same page as Rob, as Jeannie from an ownership leadership standpoint before you make a decision on the coach. That's my first take on that. Who those people are, I don't know. Maybe they're not even available just because all of the the better teams, quote unquote, are are still playing. And I don't know if that that's in that's in play. In terms of the coaching candidates, you already mentioned Monty has quite a reputation around the league. Seems like a good guy. Seems like a basketball guy. Seems like he can relate to the players. That's cool. Ty, at least from a Warrior perspective, Bay Area perspective, we really never thought of him as, quote unquote, a solid coach. Let's face it, dude. During those Cle- the, the runs with Cleveland, the coach was LeBron. The reason why Ty was successful was because he had LeBron. Damn, you give no love well to Ty Lu? Come on. He's, he's actually hey, not a he's bad a- X and O's coach, apparently. I think a lot of people who studied his uh, coaching style, they really... Uh... They really said Ty is not bad at drawing plays out of timeouts. I don't know, man. That's that's to be uh, that's to be determined. I've seen some videos from the huddle where <laughs> you know I think LeBron took the took the clipboard and Ty was just kind of like moseying around there. So I'm sure Ty has his redeeming qualities. I mean, Let's I also want to mention Ty Lu did take a little break last, not last year. Um, mm. The last year he was coach of the Cavs. I think of the stress actually got to him. So that's an, a little bit of a red flag. Coaching LeBron is really not easy. There's a lot of pressure that yeah, comes with it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that might actually be a key factor in terms of who would be successful because it, does, it doesn't, didn't seem like Luke had a lot of success working with LeBron. The fact of the matter is it's a player's league. Part of success is being able to find coaches that could you know, work with the players. I do think that if they do have one of these guys and they sign him up as the head of the snake, so to speak, and they could work well with LeBron, I do think having a staff that could support any of their shortcomings or anything that they need to to have some support on is going to be key. Yeah, it's good to have a big name, but it's also, it's good to have a good, solid supporting staff to be able to kind of handle all of this. Yeah, here's my take. So we shall see. Yeah, here's my take of the two candidates. I think you can't go wrong with both, Um, but there's two two strengths and weaknesses to each. Ty Lue would be more of an immediate play where you know Ty Lue can coach LeBron. He has experience coaching LeBron um, the last couple of years as as the Cavs coach, and they did win a title against the Warriors, and that was a tough-fought series, and Ty Lue made some key adjustments in that series you could say lebron did or ty Lube did but regardless they did and they won that series another thing was monty williams i would think is more of a long play uh ty Lube could command lebron in a way that Mon- probably monty can't because of that experience that he's had with lebron but monty would be more of a long play where he could develop the players he could be a coach that you would live with past lebron's tenure as a laker because he's here for another three years but look Look, look at Pop. He's been there forever. If you hire the right coach and you establish the right culture, that coach can be there for a long time. Steve Kerr is probably going to be a coach for the Warriors, hopefully for many years past this current iteration of the Warriors. And just 
Yeah. Like that, like the like the Spurs, just keep cycling that system and bringing and recruiting players that fit the system and the culture, right? Yeah. Or the Night so King. We'll s- <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, there's still a long summer, and they, like you said, they need to hire a president. And if they don't, they need to have a clear direction and promote somebody right now, so we know what's going on. So we'll see how it plays exactly. out. The summer, will, exactly, and you know the lottery and all that stuff is coming. So these decisions need to be made, and we'll see if the Lakers can put get their shit together. And I really hope they do. Let's get into the next topic, though. Rockets versus the Warriors. This is the series I've been waiting for. I think a lot of people have been waiting for since last year. And to recap a little bit, last year it was a game seven, Warriors versus Rockets, and. The Rockets were up 3-2, and CP3 went down, and they lost that series. They felt that if they had CP3, they would be the champs right now. And who knows? It's kind of revisionist history. You know, Who knows if CP3 played or not, if they would have won, but they would have had a better chance, that's for sure. Game 1 played out uh, pretty tough, man. Uh, it, was, it was back and forth. I think there was a lot of controversy we'll, that we'll get into, but the Warriors pulled it off. KD came up big again. Mr. Y'all know who I am. What do you what do you what do you have to say? Man, this is the playoffs. The Clipper series took a lot from the Warriors already. A lot of their skin in the game. I didn't think that we would meet the, the Rockets so early, but here we are. And the Rockets are definitely a very, very formidable foe for the Warriors. This isn't the first series and last season wasn't the first series that we matched up with them. We've met them in the past four, five years, four times already in yeah. uh, each series. And the Rockets have slowly built a squad that is, in many ways, built to to compete with the Warriors. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of players that are wing defenders, three-point shooters, that can essentially go play the Warriors style, where you know it's running gun, shooting threes, defending... 3 and D kind of game. I anticipate nothing but a very competitive series. And we kind of saw that already with with game one. You know, the primary difference between the Clippers and the Warriors uh, and the Rockets are they have superstars. They yeah. have James Harden. And as much as Lou Will was torching us, James Harden is a completely different beast. He is, uh, you know, an MVP level superstar. CP is he's an all-star level point guard. Some people call him point, point god, guard. dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? And then you compliment them with players like PJ Tucker, mm. uh, Eric Gordon, he was college player of the year. Mm-hmm. Clint Capella is developing. I mean, this is quite a challenge for the Warriors and even this season, I think they took two out of three from us. Yeah. Really we're struggling with them. The only game where we really were able to dominate against the the Rockets was when Boogie had a dominant game. Well, the Boogie situation is not going to work out for us on this round. We do not have our our X-Factor Boogie that can pretty much slow down the game and play in the post. So we're going to have to play our traditional game with the with the Rockets, man. Yeah. So it's it's it was tough in game 1, man. It was tough. It was such an ugly game. I was in pins and needles the whole time just because there was just so many just 
it, it was just the, the 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 pace of the game. It was just so off. Like the Rockets like to slow it down. They want to play ISO. James Harden does his thing. I'm worried about the the injuries from Clay and Steph. They're not really playing as well as uh, as they can. And if not for KD, man, it wasn't looking good. But we have KD, man. Yeah, dude. I was texting you the entire time. Just give it to KD in that mid post. Boom, he just turns around, shoots it over Daniel House or whoever is guarding him. And I said this to you before the series. I think them losing Ariza is going to hurt them a little bit this series. Ariza, mm-hmm. although he cannot stop KD, obviously, he is a polished defender. And he is not, he's no Daniel House or Gerald Green. Harden, mm-hmm. Harden can't check KD. Ariza was that guy. And he can hit the three, too. So I think they're gonna. It's gonna hurt a lot them not having Ariza. But regardless, that game was down to the wire too. And let's just say there were some non calls that the Houston Rockets are <laughs> complaining about. I'll have to put my oh, Devil's man. Advocate hat on and say that even the refs mentioned to D'Antoni, and D'Antoni said this in his press conference that they came to him and said they missed some of the calls. And let let, let me just recap the calls that they're really talking about is. The three-point shot and the landing area. So Harden went up a couple times in CP3 too. Um, they went up for a three-point shot, and Clay and whoever was guarding him, Clay specifically on some of these possessions, landed in his space, and the refs didn't call it. So there's a lot of hoopla right now of yeah. the the Warriors getting away with non-calls with that win. Yeah, I don't know, man. How do you feel that, about that, dude? <laughs> you you that narrative that narrative is trash because. <laughs> James Harden went to the free throw line for 14 times during that game. He gets so many calls, you know, on any given game. Why is he complaining about all these calls still? He gets whistles. And James Harden is very crafty. He puts himself in a position where other other players, you know, get caught with their hand in the cookie jar. That's his style, right? But don't complain that you're not getting any calls because you're getting a ton of calls. But let, let me put you on the spot, JC. Specifically mm-hmm. with what we're talking about and the plays that you saw on the TV mm-hmm. and they slow mo it. Do you believe mm-hmm. that Clay landed in his shooting area? <laughs> I'll tell you this. Okay. There were some calls that could have gone either way. I'll tell you this. <laughs> when Steph you can't went, say went it. Up, when Steph went up, mm. Clint Capella would also mm. land on his landing space. Mm. And these calls weren't going on the Warriors' way. Mm-hmm. So I think the game was a little bit more consistent than what in previous games in terms of this. Given this landing zone argument, and I'll give you what you want. Yes, there were some questionable calls. Mm. You know, if it happened to Steph... I would want the call as well, right? That That's fair. But they weren't calling it on our players. And I think a lot of the focus was on James Harden just because they're the ones that are talking. Mm-hmm. But if you really look at the full game tape, you'll see similar scenarios where these um, these landing zone calls were not being called. So they were consistent. I gave him credit for that. The one thing that I do want to um, kind of focus on is this whole James Harden situation just because... He's becoming the boy who cried wolf. Mm. The whole season, you get he gets caught doing all of these flop situations where he goes up for the shot and he's playing for the foul and he's not actually trying to get a shot. Mm. He's either 
kind of extending his legs, kicking out to essentially increase that landing zone situation, exploiting that rule, or he's kind of moving his body towards the defender, initiating contact. Mm -hmm. Even on a lot of his other drives away from this landing zone argument, James Harden would hook players and kind of get their arms underneath his arms. Mm -hmm. And he's strong enough to be able to kind of create this illusion that there's this foul that's there. Now, during the regular season, fine. He he got plenty of calls. He led the league in going through the free throw line. So obviously he was getting what he was needing needing to to get. His strategy was working. But now in the playoffs, it's just a whole different ball game, man. That's always how it's been. Yeah, I think you know, one of the things worst things are a little bit more physical. So yeah. it's just like the you know you 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 try to you try to play this really dangerous game of fooling the officials and creating this illusion and now you're over reliant on that strategy and when they don't do that for you you complain that it's not working i do think that it's he kind of put himself in that situation where he's reliant on them and i think it's become sort of a mockery of the the game when you're not playing to make shots you're playing to get whistles and it really is unfortunate that it's gotten to that level yeah i was gonna say one of the worst kept secrets is when you hear players say, just call it consistently, is the refs in the playoffs and in the regular season, they call the game differently. I think as a whole, we want it to be consistent, but in any sport, that's usually the case. It's just they allow a little bit more physicality in the playoffs because it's, yeah. it, it, that's just how it's been since I started watching basketball. <laughs> they just let more yeah. stuff go in the playoffs, especially yeah. in the last couple of seconds now, because they don't want to determine the game. The refs don't want to be the reason that determine that determine who wins and loses as much as we're talking about them right now which is their non-calls versus let's say it would be the other way if they did call those fouls we'd be having another discussion right now of hey the rest took control of that game and started calling these fouls but i want to say this the bas the basketball players like harden they're just trying to exploit the rules that are put in front of them do you remember a couple years ago where they did the swing through rule right the the terminator put their hand out and as an offensive player, you see that and you just swing through and it's two, it's two free throws. They stop that. Yeah. So yeah. this new thing, Harden is trying to exploit. I don't blame him for doing mm. that, but I'll tell you mm. this. He is angry because they did give him that in the regular season, more so in the playoffs. But yeah. in the beginning of the game, they didn't call it. And as a player, you have to adjust. In the yeah. be- they, he, they showed, the refs showed in the beginning of the game that, look, we're not going to call these. <laughs> it's just yeah. not going to happen. You gotta adjust. You gotta. Yeah. You can't lose your composure, and that's what happened to the Rockets yeah. at the end of the game. They had like three technical fouls at the end, and they were within four points. The game was not over yet, and I understand there's frustration. But look, you're a superstar. You gotta lead by example. The game is not over, even if you feel like you should be getting these calls. And I do think the Warriors sometimes have this same problem too. They let the refs get in their head, and they lose a little bit of composure sometimes. Yeah. The officials definitely play a big role on mm-hmm. these series, and we saw that in the Clippers series. And bottom line, it's up for the players to adjust to how the game is being called. You know, it's 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 a really thankless job to be a yeah. referee, just because you're really never going to win. And you know, it's such a it's such a difficult position to be in. Uh, that's why we got to give them props when they do what the, what they're supposed to do and make some really tough decisions that just really make sense. Yeah, I want to say bottom line, maybe they should maybe they shouldn't have given Harden those shots in the first place in the regular season. The refs, it's like you said, it's a thankless job, and I do think the NBA has the best refs of all major sports. 
football is terrible. I mean, you've seen the the blatant missed calls they've had in football. And there's, yeah, yeah, there's no two-minute report at the end of the game. At least the NBA comes out after the game. And in the last two minutes, they'll admit if they miss calls or or if if the calls were justified. So there's more accountability, even though we don't we as fans don't feel like like there is. Yeah. There is way more accountability for NBA officials versus uh, like the NFL or NHL or MLB, right? The umpires yeah. sometimes the strike zone is not consistent at all. The- the the reality is it's more art than science. Yeah. And I think that's how it has been for years, even in the 90s and 80s. There are, t- there are situations where you just kind of let it go. Or there are situations where you have to make the call of where you, you, you have to take control of the situation. It, it, it really depends. And I think those are the best refs. The guys that are able to recognize the situation and make the appropriate call. It's the appropriate call at the right time. Yeah. It's like playing ball at pickup, man. There's so many travels that you can call. There's so many sort of carries or even you know fouls that you can mm-hmm. call. But sometimes being a player, you know where to draw the line in terms of when you you call that that foul or not right and the guys that call super soft fouls just don't get any respect from the from from the gym right and, and vice versa it's just it, it's it's situational and it's it's unfortunate but that's the game man that's the game and it's tough we'll see how the series progresses from an officiating standpoint yeah i want to say this before we end the officiating is both teams are just lobbying for calls throughout the series at this point the reason why people are coming out the coaches and the players they're setting themselves up even though the first game is done they're setting themselves up to get calls later in the series we've all seen this i know phil jackson was a master at this he would get fines just so it would set them up to get these possible calls so we'll see the rest of the yeah. series, how this plays out. And I want you to tell me the X factors for the rest of the series. What do you expect? Who do you think the X factors are as the series goes on? Because I do expect this to drag out. If the Clippers can push the Warriors to six games, I do believe the Rockets yeah. and the Warriors will end up likely a seven-game series. Yeah. So here's what I'll do. I'll do the X factors for the Rockets, and you give me your X factors for the for the Warriors. Let's do it. Let's split it up. For the Rockets, I think the X factors are three primary players. I think Harden's a given, CP3 is a given. Mm. So I think the the three players that are really going to make it tough for the Warriors are A, Eric Gordon, mm. um, and he played really well in the game one. He had a, a good, at least offensive game. If Eric Gordon makes shots. Um, it's gonna it's gonna open things up for Harden to do his thing and uh, adding another threat into their their attack, so to speak. And Eric Gordon was College Player of the Year when he was in college. Man, he's really talented. We can't leave him alone. And if he gets in rhythm, he could in many ways take over games. And we kind of saw that in Game One. Hmm. Second uh, X factor player, PJ Tucker. Hmm. Biggest thing is his defense. I think. He's already kind of made KD work. He's a physical defender, he's a strong defender, and he's a smart defender. He can make KD work harder. And in many times, KD's still going to get his numbers, but P.J. Tucker is going to make damn sure that KD uh, earns every bucket that he has. So if P.J. Tucker is on point defensively, mm. and if he hits open shots, because they're going to leave him alone, very much like how uh, Draymond gets some open looks, then that's going to be tough mm. uh, for the Warriors, and that could extend the series. And lastly, Clint Capella. Mm. 
if Clint Capella shows up and protects the rim and finishes on the pick and rolls with the Harden situation just because we're going to try to put some pressure on Harden or CP uh, and get some easy lobs that's going to make it tough for the Warriors defensively so these are the three players that I think if they come to play could really make the series tough for the Warriors what do you think I I want to I mean KD is going to be KD but the one biggest x factor and it really played out the first game is Iguodala. Iggy, his defense on Harden will be so crucial this entire series. Harden, the first game of the series, he shot 9 for 28. That's just incredible defense. I know they sometimes Clay is on Harden, but most of the the possessions, Iggy was locking down Harden. He was expending all his energy in locking down Harden, and you could tell it was working. Harden, there was a lot of possessions where they were trying to get a switch on Curry, but Iggy just wouldn't allow that to happen. He would stay in front of Harden, he would stick to that scheme, and he shut down Harden. Harden couldn't get away with a lot of these drives that he normally gets and gets fouled. Because Iggy can stay in front of Harden, and he has the length and the defensive like mindset and just ability to just not foul him, stay in front of him, and challenge his shot. I was, I was so impressed by how Iggy played defense that game. And I think he is honestly the key for this series, because we all know what Steph, Clay, and Durant can do, and... They might be nursing injuries here and there, and Katie's going to show up every game. I, I do believe he will be their go-to scorer, but it'll be Iggy and some of the bench players because the bench is super thin. Kevon Looney needs to kind of step up into that role and and kind of yeah put in a couple easy bunnies because they're going to leave him open. All that action, all that uh, the off-the-ball action, Kevon Looney's going to be open a couple times, and Bogut's going to play a big role in this too. And that's just kind of my take on uh, what the X-Factors are for the Warriors. I don't, I don't know if you feel the same way, especially after watching Game 1, but I feel very strongly about that. And I do think Capella will be the X-Factors for the, the Rockets besides Eric Gordon. Capella had a complete trash game. He scored like mm-hmm. four to six points, and he's a he was a big contributor contributor on that pick and roll, and he was completely nullified by the, the defense that the Warriors had. They didn't let him have catch any of those lobs because... You don't if you double harden or you, you, you shrink the paint, Capella's there. And you know what? Props to the Warriors. They did not win off the officiating. I will say that. As much as I don't I don't want to give you that, they won off their defense. The the officiating officiating didn't play a part in how well they locked down the, the Rockets at the end of the game. Yeah, it's I I agree with your assessment of Iguodala. I think he's definitely a key MVP. Player. I mean he's the MVP for, for all of the, the finals. Tr- yeah, for for all the trash that the the Rockets fans were talking last year, saying the Rockets would have won the series if CP3 were healthy, well, let me tell you guys something. Iguodala was not healthy for that series. Ooh. It might have been a much shorter series. Just, just, just speaking the truth, man. It's, I mean, he really is an X factor. The you know his defensive um, uh, acumen and his ability just really kind of dictates how the team will do it. That's why they're starting him. We didn't even start yeah, dude. Um, Andrew Bogut, right? You're starting with the death lineup. Yeah, That tells you how serious the Warriors are in terms of this matchup. We really want to give them our, our best lineup so, so that they don't get in rhythm. So if Iguodala is starting, man, you know there's a lot at stake for this series. And I want to say, I don't think the Warriors are going to sleepwalk at all this series. They know that this 
is going to be a dogfight. And they give the Rockets proper respect because of last year and all that talk of CP3 getting injured and they would have won. I think the Warriors have a chip on their shoulder with all that talk. And I am so excited to see this series play out. I, every game, I'm going to be on the edge of my seat texting you and just talking trash <laughs> how the, the, the officials should be yeah. calling these fouls on Harden. I'm, I'm totally kidding. I actually do yeah. not like how Harden gets away with a lot of stuff. Man, it's so frustrating to watch them. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I'll be watching with pins and needles because it's a tough series, and we'll see how it goes, man. Yeah, as long as you don't go on Dubs. too long of a vacation, we can still do these episodes, man. We can we can talk about this stuff. Hey, you gotta bring your mic with you, man. You gotta bring your mic with you. Pod life, come on, bro. Yeah, I'll uh, for my next trip. I'll be going to the beautiful islands of hawaii so i don't know if they have a why do you always pick going to hawaii when the playoffs are running you never have like a good time because you're stressed half the time about these games i know man (laughs) it's uh i haven't learned my lesson i haven't not learned my lesson but why can't you you can't blame me man if i get an invitation to go to hawaii i gotta roll man that's the truth <laughs> if you do get an invitation of why you gotta roll it doesn't matter the playoffs are. you just gotta make do you gotta watch the the playoffs on the beach somewhere <laughs> uh so yeah let's close it at that it's been a yeah I'm, I'm happy that we're back it feels good to record again and it feels good to be talking to you guys so you know follow us on ball vs life official on ig shoot us an email on ball vs life at gmail.com Give us a rating and subscribe to us. Give us a comment. We want to get all this feedback. It really does help. And we keep saying that because it's just true. So thank you for listening. Episode 10, man. Big 1-0. Yes, sir. Thanks, guys. See you guys next week. Peace. Peace.